0: my guest on talk design today is Lauren Lees. now Lauren is from Great Falls Virginia I was going to say West Virginia you knew it eh? like that's where I was going (laughs) to say but it's not West Virginia it's Great Falls Virginia (laughs) you
1: got it
0: (laughs) and Lauren is an amazing interior designer she has a beautiful aesthetic her style makes you feel like you're really in home. And with that, it kind of wraps around you. It's all these things, these elements that you can trust. So I wanted to talk to Lauren because I found it fascinating. I follow her on Instagram, etc. And I find it fascinating how she, A, fits a lot into her life, but also what she's done with her business and her design, like it's beautiful design. So with that, you can find Lauren in so many places. You'll find her on Instagram, obviously. You'll find her on the, you know, everywhere on the net that you could be. But she also has lines of furniture. She has lines of rugs, lines of tiles. She has books. Uh, she's on her fourth book that she's running at the moment. I think I've got that right. And you can even walk on her flooring if that's what you choose to do. So, <laughs> with that, I want to expand on all those things and you all to meet this amazing person who um, is full of life, full of energy and is a high-end creative that is just constantly on the move. Lauren, thank you for coming on Talk Design.
1: Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, well, we've just had a little bit of a chat just before <laughs> we started recording and we've had so many laughs already. So I think that we're going to have some really fun things to talk to people about. I'm going to start out with, right back at the start, at some point you were like this little girl who, um, and I don't want to give any of it away because you can tell them, um, that had this design passion that somewhere it sort of came up up, around. But you also married that with business. And we had a little laugh about how we had some parallel lives and business right from when you were at school. So tell me about your childhood. Where'd you grow up, and why design?
1: Yeah, um, so I grew up in Northern Virginia, really near where I'm at now. But my parents were divorced, so my dad was in the Midwest. So I would sort of spend my summers going back to visit him, um, and then school years with my mom here out in DC. And that is where so much of my aesthetic came from because my dad is, you know, was in the Midwest. Um, you know, wildflowers just grew in the fields everywhere. And he actually used to, um, sometimes I'd fly, but other times he would drive me there. So he would drive past all the wildflowers. And so that has ended up being sort of something that's really like kind of informed my style and aesthetic because it's really casual and simple and natural. Um, I prefer like weeds and wildflowers over, you know, fresh garden roses or the more cultivated things. So that kind of um, informed my style throughout the years. And as a kid, you know, I did probably what every designer does. I'd rearrange my bedroom all the time. And <laughs> my parents would wake up in the morning and be like a different room and <laughs> um, all of that. And then um, when I went to college, we were talking about this earlier. Um, my friend and I, um, we designed our apartment and we started this little business. It was called Mystical Dreams. <laughs> oh, We wow. really great at branding. <laughs> yeah. And we uh, made clothing and thro- sold throw pillows. Um, And then when I graduated from college, I was working for a family business doing PR and started designing, decorating my first apartment, actually my roommate, same roommate, our next apartment, and uh, realized I was like repainting the dining room every other week and you know spending all my money at the thrift stores like redecorating all the time and realized that i was much more passionate about decorating my apartment than i was my job so i enrolled in a distance learning program and started taking clients to stage their homes for sale Uh and then those started turning into real um design clients and then opened up a company doing it um and it just kind of grew from there um
0: yeah can't can't stop yourself
1: i think so Yes,
0: it's fabulous i love that story of um being at school and you know selling things and making them yourself so there's so many companies that start you know like apple started in a garage there's so mm-hmm. many companies that start where the the founders actually sew something up or put it together or build mm-hmm. something and then It it expands off that base, but they learnt to do it with their own hands, and they learnt the value of selling something because of they actually had to make the sale. Yeah, yeah, and and then they also had to do that math that had to they had to make more money than it cost them to make it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then there's the rub. But so often people miss that. Like especially kids I mean your kids grow up in a in a home that is entrepreneurial so mm-hmm. they will see and then the conversations will often be around how, how we're doing something or what's happening with something they will get right. to see that um, I know my eldest daughter she's got that fine my youngest daughter she's just getting it so she's like mm-hmm. just about to turn 13 and she's getting okay. it where she goes but that cost this And then, so I could then do this and then sell it for, you know, a few cents more. And I'm going, no, 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 no. You've got to start with the end in mind. So imagine if somebody else made it for you and you had to pay them and the material costs, and Mm -hmm. then you actually had to get paid as well. And Mm -hmm. then, and then if somebody else was selling it for you, they have to get paid as well. And that's what, that's how it works. And she's like, okay. Mm
1: -hmm. So.
0: Yeah, that whole backward engineering of something, and yet you did you did it at school as well, and probably learned that first lesson.
1: Absolutely, I remember getting my wholesale account being like, "Okay, I can double all this." <laughs> <And be> like <laughs> yes, <laughs> remember that?
0: Isn't yeah? Isn't that the difference? And suddenly you go, "Oh wow, there's actually and money there for it."
1: Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. The, and I think the, oh. Go ahead.
0: Oh, no, I was just going to say the business side of um, understanding gives you the ability to reach so many more people when mm-hmm. it works, because otherwise it yeah. dies and you never get to reach those people and they never get to take part in what you can offer offer for them.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. For so many years, you know, I kind of regretted that I didn't major in interior design in college. And I was like, oh, I'm so far behind because I didn't do that. And I had to go do this distance learning thing. But now knowing what I know with my major having been communication, I realized that was what really propelled my business forward, allowed me to, you know, be able to write and communicate in the way that I do, which is what sort of taken my business where it is. So it's, yeah. it's funny how, how that works, but
0: it is, isn't it? It's um it's fascinating, like so many people are the technician and they don't end up becoming the business. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, they don't there's two separate lines. And as you said, the communication point means that it, it you are actually communicating with people and that's actually a how it brings you clients, but also how they get a piece of you to mm-hmm. be able to take to them, which is really beautiful, really, really For good. Sure.
1: Mm.
0: yeah um with your aesthetic and you said I love this bit before about wildflowers in the midwest and stuff and the road tripping because road tripping is I know you take plans sometimes but road tripping gives you time to soak time to -hmm. soak stuff in and Mm -hmm. conversation and stuff like that as well
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and the the dreamy side of all that because when you look at the homes that you do, there's a dreaminess. There's a sort of like a. Well, obviously, they're functional and they do what they do, but there's a, a way of just falling into it, and is that just truly you, or is that something that you kind of, made? you
1: know, I, I I don't know. <laughs> it's a good question. Um, you know, I think it's one of those things with when I okay going back to sort of the wildflowers. And, mm-hmm. and being into them because as a kid, you were allowed to just pick them, and look at them, and inspect them, and touch them, and make things with them, and do whatever you wanted because they were just there. Just and you could pick wildflowers. And just wildflowers. And, and then you go with the sort of structured something from the garden. You had to ask if it could be picked, or you know, you couldn't just walk up to someone's garden and, and start picking away. So I think when it goes to homes and in design in general, whether it's clothing, home, a meal, anything that I am designing, it's, it goes back to that sort of feeling of freedom. And that sort of free spirited, I can do whatever I want with this, I can sort of have this, almost like childlike free feeling about something because it's not tamed. And it's, it's just natural, and it's relaxed, and it's unpretentious. So I think that, um, that's what i'm drawn to and i feel like that's where as a kid i spent a lot of my creative time sort of in like unconfined places and you know place uh, doing things that didn't have parameters so i think when i'm sort of designing houses you know it depends on who the client is but for the most part a lot of people are drawn to our work because of what we do and i like to kind of make a space that gives someone that that sense of freedom that exhale that relax that you don't have to be anything anything other than what you truly are like very real down to earth um, versus like the structured you know kind of perfect sort of thing that you would see in the more you know more formal kind of oh, flower I, so I, there's a whole analogy there but
0: <laughs> no I think it's brilliant I think that the analogy is beautiful it it is the fact that you know like it was something that were they were just wildflowers nobody's mm-hmm. going to be upset if you pick some Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's uh, they're a gift. They're nature's gift to you. You can take mm-hmm. some. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a problem. And yeah, I think that that part of it is it's very releasing. As you know, like it's it's mm-hmm. I don't get into trouble for this. Or I don't have to ask for it. It's just okay. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I remember being in um, Idaho when my eldest daughter was really little, like maybe. Oh, maybe less than two years old and we were got walking through meadows and I actually had her in a backpack on my back and oh. uh, we were walking through all these meadows and just exploring like the beautiful part of Spider-Hoe. We went in the potato field side Um, and just in that really fabulous thing and stopping with her and showing her, we made a daisy chain to put around her head and mm-hmm. um, we have a photo of that and I'm like, huh, oh, when else... It's just so real. It's so connected yeah. in the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. yeah.
1: And, and, you, and you sort of, you like kind of bond with those flowers. They're nostalgic when you see them now. Because if you see a daisy, you remember that moment. And so it's like that with interiors too. You it, There's like a little hair. If you can get to know the client or the person and put that little hair of nostalgia in it, that just takes them to an instant sort of feel good place.
0: Oh, kind of, I love you know. that. I love that because it's something that as a designer myself that I try to do a lot. And I'd love you to talk about when you do that with clients. Cause I look at um homes and maybe decoration, maybe more decoration than the home. Um the chapters. Homes are chapters of your life, and they might be a they might be the, they might be the book. Of this part of your life but then it goes through time with you and as it goes through time with you there's the stuff that moves on and there's the stuff that you hold on to and the stuff that you hold on to might come from your grandmother it might come from your you know somewhere where you were where you were traveling and you saw something and you add that and that's sort of the fabric of the stories Mm -hmm. of your life and you might just Mm -hmm. keep little keepsakes so tell Mm -hmm. me about that with clients and your own style like the the keepsakes you keep like what makes the difference
1: you know i'm trying to think well with with clients when i'm kind of trying to find out because it's hard to just be like what's you know sentimental to you they're not going to it's not going to come out so i kind of i'm always after the feel i always want to know what feeling they want so it's about how how the mood needs to feel how they want to feel um when they come in that house and sort of we kind of develop what I like to call like a project language and you know, you kind of get your adjectives there. Maybe someone, you know, wants, uh, you know, moody, botanical, like library, kind of mysterious or whatever it is, you kind of get your adjectives and then you sort of look at everything through that lens. And so when you find an object, whether it's new or old, you kind of put their glasses on and you you sort of just know if it's right and if it's gonna uh-huh. sing or not, uh-huh. and so you just kind of kind of collect the things. That's that's really what we do for clients, and probably what I do for myself as well. Um, one of the you know I'm drawn to sort of more primitive pieces, um, just really really simple raw woods, raw pottery. Um, I love old tapestries. Um, personally, I'm more neutral. I would say because I yeah. like to. Let what's going on outside be the change and be the color, and I love to bring in flowers mm-hmm. and do all that. So I like to switch that up. Um, but yeah, I think I think at this point, mo- I don't really shop at all for my own house, but I'll like find things outside. Um, but I'm, I'm almost more now in a paring down mode. I think like you know when we first got married, it's like you buy everything you need, and then you're like, we have too much stuff, and so you're <laughs> you know just trying to get rid of it all. So I think. Um, now Garrett, it's like yard sale down.
0: coming up. Yeah,
1: yeah. Everything's kind of always, you know, if something comes in, something goes out. So I, we don't. I don't shop much for the house, but
0: yeah, for that reason, because it's just yeah. if something comes in, something's got to go out. There's no more space. We're yep. full.
1: Yeah, We're full. yeah. <laughs> and I think I think I have become attached to the things that I've had for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm not that excited about something new. I'm like, oh, I love the. You know the thing we got when we were here when you know we had yeah. only two kids yeah. or whatever so
0: yeah yeah i think that's really interesting in the fact that it's you also editing all the time And this you you just then when you were saying about it um you know you you work with their adjectives of of what you you form those adjectives and i go there's the writer in you the <laughs> yeah, you. And then you're then yeah. you're always editing as well, you know. Like you're going, there's yes. only this much space for this many things, so let's edit <sighs> yeah. that down. Um, yeah. Go back to that point where you were saying about how things feel. I want to do a little thing with you with this. Um, <laughs> are you up for it?
1: Absolutely.
0: You don't know what it. You don't know what it is. Yeah, what it is up
1: for I'm it. Right? yeah. I'm sure I'm sure. up for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a I'm podcast. Sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I can cope. Yeah, you can edit. Yeah, yeah. You can edit. Um, so, in your own home, where is your most favorite space to be? Hmm.
1: Okay, so my current house—I'll just caveat—is a temporary house. Um, oh, okay. I, we are—we're building our other house, and we bought this, this house. A flip house and we're living in the flip right now okay cool. um
0: perfect but
1: i think it is okay it's a toss up between the kitchen i think i have to say i think i have to say the bathroom oh my, my bathroom i think okay it's it's um <laughs> it's really big and um i do that because my daughters my five and seven year old are always in our bathroom. They use it as their bathroom. They have one, but their are toothbrushes in there. Like they take their baths in there. Um, and so it, cause I like, it becomes weirdly grand central station with like the whole family will like end up having conversations in there. It's really odd. <laughs> it sounds so strange, but we'll be like getting ready. And then has just got it in there. We've got a bench. Um, the walls are, made from there was a pool we had to get rid of on this property and there was an old fence around it so we took the fence and we put the the posts from or the planks the, from the, the planks, planks the, the pail
0: the palings yeah.
1: yeah there's such a word there's a word for that i just yeah listened. yeah i'm
0: with you like there's a lot of words um, for it yeah
1: yes and then put it all over the walls and ceiling and just uh just a, a nice bathtub and yeah i think i love it because it's just a lot of good moments happen in there and the tub has a good view and
0: yeah so by the way I love that that and and, <laughs> and I love the fact the way you described it and what's happening in there how does it make you feel
1: that you way. know I think I think it's there's a lot of bonding time happening in there so it's like a lot of warm fuzzies like i'll do the girls hair in there every morning i brush their hair and i hang out with them while they take a bath and it's just sort of like a it's like the time has been allotted that's going to get spent in there because you have to get ready so it just it's very regular it happens every day and it's just kind of like good good fuzzy moments i'd say
0: and with those good fluffy moments Um, If you had to put them into one emotional word, what would that emotional word be?
1: Hmm. Okay. That's a really good question. I have to think, though. Um, Let me see. Hmm. I mean, I'm going to warm, but it's more than warm. Um, hmm. Okay. I might have to simmer on that to get you a good one. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because when... um, when you look at say architecture and interior design I always think that architecture should respond to the environment first because it's shelter so mm-hmm. its, first, its first responsibility is, is to respond to the environment and if you can make it respond to the environment well then it's about remembering that people live in it so then our mm-hmm. interior becomes all important so if that if the shape and the space is responding to the environment then we look at what we put inside that and ultimately we're going to put people inside it you know that's mm-hmm. the that's the main purpose of it is to put mm-hmm. people inside it especially in homes you know like barns that's for putting hay in mm-hmm. you know stables for putting horses in um garages for putting cars in you know those are those are these things have purpose so we'll just go with homes and then how the interior that the architecture is the first response so whether it feels expansive or for the person who goes in expansive or whether it feels confined or whether it feels um it gives them a sense of vision or a sense of security we all need all these things at different times in different spaces and my little fun game of saying okay what's your favorite space um is, you? I mean, you could have gone anywhere. The kitchen was the other one, and I'd love to just do it with the kitchen as well. But with the doing your bathroom, um, it had a story of the the repurposing of things, which is for you. It's like we took something old and we put it back together again. And that empowers you in some way. It makes you feel Mm -hmm. right about something in some way. And it, it brought that nature inside that was outside previously. Because previously, Mm -hmm. those fence palings were on a fence. And now Mm -hmm. they're actually on your ceiling and your wall, and you've got the texture and the rawness of it. So it's very honest and very real, which comes Mm -hmm. back to me, comes back to who you are, about just being, I I said it to you when I said, are you up for this? Yeah, (laughs) you're sure I'm up for this. It's like, yeah, I can handle myself. I'm okay. And it's honest and raw. You're happy to be, you're happy to go there. You're not pretentious mm-hmm. about where you're trying to be or, oh, God, mm-hmm. I can't say the wrong thing. Um, <laughs> and it also brings in sort of all those things from the wildflowers kind of thing as well, because it's honest and it's real and it's from outside and it brings, connects you there. And then more than that was the, you get to do this regular thing with your girls. Mm-hmm. And as you said, it's Grand Central Station. So you have the ability to handle a lot of things. That's part of who you are. You've got a lot of moving parts, but you still find time to do their hair. And I can imagine all the other little things that comes with that. Like mm-hmm. some days they don't feel like it's right. And other times they <laughs> feel like it's really good. And why she got this and I've got that. And, oh, I, can, I can see it all. But it really connects you to them. And there's the conversations that happen in there that having that time to do that with them you get a different piece of them it's sort of like when you have one kid in the car and you're driving somewhere and you don't say a word until they speak and when oh, they I start I never tried to, that oh they just suddenly, try that. they just well as long as they've got no social media or anything you don't they've got no distractions
1: yeah.
0: then all of a sudden they start to tell you stuff and you are like, oh, okay i do it <laughs> with both my daughters i love to travel somewhere with both of them and mm-hmm. i do this thing cuz i'm i love to speak as well but i love to go with them and just not really say anything you're good yeah and then especially my 13 year old she will suddenly start to tell me things so Aww. it'll be about be about kids at school or it'll be about she's a she does taekwondo and or it'll be about basketball or these things and just what's troubling mm-hmm. her and and I don't try and solve them. I just go, right. Well, yeah. okay. You know, it's not my place to solve. It's my place to just sort of like, listen, but yeah. she suddenly, the the further we drive, the, the more she gives me. So you get mm-hmm. this thing with, you know, doing it here. it's tactile. It's loving. You get to put one of your creative skills on and, and with them mm-hmm. and, and somewhere in there that, probably nurtures your mothering instinct so beautifully as well but the conversations you get and I go so that may if if I was to take those things away from you in your home and the kids couldn't get to you in that space you would you would look it might be in the future you might say I want that but it it would take Mm -hmm. something magical away that Mm -hmm. feeds you and nurtures you and then when you're looking in somebody's home finding out those little habits so if I was designing a home for you I would be going right we've got this little routine how long is that going to go on for how many years what will it morph into what will happen where will that conversation go those connections go when that Mm -hmm. changes and I try and explore that and Mm -hmm. then in doing that I start to create you know what's the emotional drivers that uh, and then, how's the interior or the architecture respond to them?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As, that's as so little, interesting.
0: As a little game, yeah. Well, as a game, it's more learning you.
1: It's yeah, not trying yeah. to
0: learn you, and because that's what we try and do with clients. We're trying to mm-hmm. learn them. We're going. This person seems fabulous. How do we learn them?
1: Yeah. How do we How do we true. learn
0: more about them? And then I've got another question that kind of follows it. Like, so you you said um, it's warm, but it's way more than warm, and. I know, um, I- it's okay, leave it with warm. (laughs) When it feels warm for you, what does that empower you to do and be?
1: You know, I think it's probably like that, um, just like that, that love joy feeling in your chest, you know what I mean? It's just, it's that. So I think it does, you know, empower you to go out and and just be kinder, it makes you happy. You have those moments um, and it does slow time down in a way because wow. the morning should be this crazy rush, but we kind of go in this like paneled room. It's like in its own little world, it sort of slows things down a bit. So it, it does give me that feeling that maybe I have more time when, you know, my emotion. normal tendency is like, yeah, I gotta get all this done. But then you do that and it slows you for a minute. Um, so yeah, probably, I think it probably kind of sends me out a little bit better, nicer, maybe more patient and more relaxed, probably more loving.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, hope so. <laughs> more, more, well, you, it's filled you up.
1: Mm-hmm, and so, because yeah. it
0: fills you up, it fills them up, and mm-hmm. they take it for granted more likely. They just want their hair done. Um, but it, <laughs> it fills you up, but they will yeah. go back to a memory of that at some point in their life and it will be a a keepsake in their memory bank and then Mm -hmm. they will either try and do it for their own children Mm -hmm. or they will feel that they've missed it for their own children things like that you know like and I think that it becomes really beautiful when you can untap that into with a client or with anybody really but with the client and then you can go okay so now we start layering in what the responses are that make Mm -hmm. that real because if I put you in a Well, let's say like a a white, shiny hospital style bathroom, you would still do what you do.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: The difference is, is that you wouldn't, the environment wouldn't be responding to you.
1: Yeah.
0: As much as in this case, the environment responds to you. So therefore, it relaxes you one more step. It takes you one more piece closer to the center of who you are.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking the other week, I was just reading about sort of, kind of what fluorescent lights do to us and uh-huh. and just being removed from nature and all of that and how bad it is and how people heal faster when they're walking out in nature when they're looking out the window da 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 and i was like why do we design hospital rooms the way we do like i i totally. mean it's crazy it's, yeah. it's mind blowing that mm-hmm. we have done all these studies and we know that people heal faster when they take a walk in nature or when they look at out the window it's like what are we thinking when we put the you know the most antiseptic looking surroundings no. around these people who are trying to heal it it's like drives me crazy so anyway we need to get the word out there that that oh, I yeah. think hospitals need some help
0: <laughs> yeah and I look I, and you look at things like respite centers and stuff like that and when they're Tucked into nature, and they are part of nature, yeah. and people are constantly um, uh, interacting with nature.
1: Mm-hmm. They
0: they they may still going be going to pass, you know that that's that's part of it. But if that if their moments that they're living with all the stress that their bodies are in and stuff like that, you you go if those moments are more natural and more, um, as I say, tucked into nature. They're parts of nature. There's trees. Mm -hmm. There's there's the wind in the trees. There's the sound Mm -hmm. of crickets. There's the bees. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's the flowers. There's uh, just so many things that subconsciously or consciously you observe. And then Mm -hmm. it does. It fills up your soul. Nobody from the pandemic said, I want a small apartment or I want to get stuck on a cruise ship. Nobody. Yeah. it it, it's like it changed and i think this is a really amazing thing it changes our responses to things and Mm -hmm. you know take someone like yourself who's incredibly connected to nature it's it's just part of your story it's just who you are um doesn't mean you wouldn't survive in a city it just means how you would adapt to survive in the city you know like in, in that and but it informs how you want your children to grow up as well and it informs Absolutely. how you the kind of clients you uh, attract and the kind of clients that you can work with, which I think is really amazing. Like you know, I was talking to do you know Samantha Wills? She she did a big jewelry line. She was out of New York and she closed it down a few years ago. Okay. So she's an Australian girl and she's um she lives in New York again now, but she did this massive global um Samantha Wills jewelry line, and she stopped feeling it. And she went, I'm not going to sell it. I'm just going to close it. Wow. And she's got her foundation and all these different things that she's managed to achieve with it. And I said to her, so there's <laughs> something about trends. So she's on the podcast. And I said to her, something about trends. And she goes, "Yeah, didn't really ever bother with them. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm, yeah, I'm more just did stuff. There's how many billion people on the planet? She goes, my tribe will find me.
1: <laughs> I love that.
0: <laughs> and that's you.
1: I it's the that. same
0: it's the same thing isn't it it's like I don't yeah. need to move to this or move to that no but my tribe finds me and partly because yep. you're a great communicator and so and you're open
1: yeah and I think I think that's right you're you'll you want to put out who you really are and what you really are because the right people will come to you and you know you know, one of the most common questions, I'm sure, if you ever get interviewed by anything, it's like, what do you think the trends will be next year? And I'm always just like, oh, like, I don't pay attention to them. I don't want to know what they are. I don't want to say it. Every now and then I'm like, relaxed, natural, down-to-earth design, and I describe my style. <laughs> so i like, maybe that will make it more popular. <laughs> it's like.
0: That should uh, be your standard answer. Yeah. Uh, and somebody <laughs> in 10 years says to you, um, so, you know, the last 10 years, you've been saying the same thing is going to be the trend, and you can go, well, it's still trending. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's a long-form trend. <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I do think, though, as as people sort of wake up, like you mentioned, COVID, and as, you know, there's more scientific research done on the effects of nature and how all of this affects us, that we we really will bring more nature into our homes, and, and living will hopefully evolve to kind of almost, you know, rewind and go back.
0: I think so. we've I was having this conversation with somebody the other day around houses, and um this person was saying to me, you know, well you think about this. And I'm like, oh here we go. Um woman came into the workforce, you know, sometime after the um Second World War was when women really came into the workforce. And I'm like, yeah. And um He's like, so prior to that, so it, so it was mansplaining, you know, so it was coming from men. My girls, <laughs> my girls tell me all the time, Dad, we don't need you to mansplain this to us. I go, clearly you do because it's still a patriarchal <laughs> society. So, like, let me finish. Um, <laughs> but with it, um, he said, so women woman came into the workforce and in coming into the workforce previous to that, a person could, a, a man could go to work and he could supposedly come home from work with enough in his pay packet to support his family and also for them to end up buying a home. Mm -hmm. You know, if they were careful, and they did things right, they could buy a home. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, so women came into the workforce and the price of houses doubled. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, they didn't double, but they went up significantly. And he goes, so it's just a system. If you could send your kids to work early and you could take that money, houses would go to that price.
1: Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I'm like,
0: well, this is a really interesting thought. All of a sudden I'm going, yeah, well, now you've got my attention. And I, I kind of went into a little further with it where I went, okay, so women came into the workforce and they came into the workforce in what would have been a man's curated world to a large degree. Um, Mm -hmm. And then because they came into the workforce and they were earning money, they probably got more of a voice about what they wanted in their home.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And therefore, homes possibly expanded because of that as well and had more things. And things like, you know, we had washing machines all of a sudden and we had all these mechanical things that happened as well
1: well things that needed to compensate for because her
0: being in the being workforce busy. yeah
1: yeah although I know my grandma like she never worked and I don't think my non who could have told her anything about how that house was going to look or be <laughs> so I don't know. I think there were a lot of men that were like this is your domain you know like I yeah. work you deal with all this
0: like, I 100% think that's the case as well but then as as the, the machine, the, the financial machine goes, well, the, the ability is to get a bigger loan because you've got more money. So you've got yeah. more savings, you've got more yeah. the more you can borrow. So therefore, you do more with it and that costs more yeah. to build and so well, on inflation. and so on. Yeah. I mean,
1: for sure. It's inflation. If the families are now earning twice as much, things are going to cost almost twice as much. And it's just, crazy, we, isn't it? Yeah. It's so, not going to happen right now. It's crazy.
0: A hundred percent. I'd love to actually broach that as a part of our conversation is like, you know, with the cost of building, with the cost of construction of, of materials, with the cost of labor. um, uh, People always say to me, when's it going to end? I said, it's not, it's not, I it's just going to keep going. It's going to keep going. But we have seen, it, never, never. Mm-mm. We have seen though a massive um jump we've seen a massive Mm -hmm. jump over COVID and Mm -hmm. I was talking to somebody the other day from the U S and he was saying to me something about, uh, so he's coming up on the podcast, he's an architect and he said, we used to pay about a dollar 80. I think it was a a foot of lumber and for whatever lumber it was. And he said that got to $16 or something for the same foot of lumber. And he said, it's back down to $3 80 or something like this now. And, um, I'm like whoa so yes that did come back down but in Not the meantime the no and also everybody's uh, the inflation everybody needs to earn a bit more so that they can afford to live and a lot of that mm-hmm. inflation money is going into interest um, because interest rates have gone up which slows down the economy a little does all those mm-hmm. things
1: mm-hmm.
0: but it also brings into the thing of do we do we build smaller homes? Do we build more thoughtful homes? What are are our needs versus our wants?
1: I I wish we would, but I think, and I drive around all the time, like cursing at certain houses, like, why did they have to put (laughs) this up? And I'm like that person. But I I don't think it will happen because it's so Mm builder-driven. And it's at least our market here is so square foot driven that Mm -hmm. if you were to, you know, let's say put a new let's say you wanted to do a 3000 square foot home and you're probably talking, I don't know, let's say that's 350 a square foot, you know, you're over a million for that 3000 square foot home, mm-hmm. plus whatever your land was. Mm-hmm. You go and build the, you know, 5,000 or 6,000 square foot home, you're not still building at 350 a square foot, you're now building lower. So it's like, they're always going to make it as big as they can. So they're gonna spend 2.3 million, and you know, sell it for you know three eight versus mm-hmm. they can only sell. They couldn't even sell the th- three thousand square foot home. Would probably they'd probably lose money on it because, because nobody they,
0: wants one that size.
1: Yeah, and it costs so much per square foot. So you're you're seeing this thing where you know people are buying more than they want to buy because it's a value. You're just you're seeing all those square foot prices affect things. It drives me insane. I'm living right now. I think. With our basement in a 4,500 square foot home. Um, so, probably 3,500 above grade. It's one of the easiest houses I've ever lived in. Um, but, and I think about reproducing it because I'm like, this floor plan is great. It's from the 70s. and We tweaked it a little bit,
0: mm-hmm. but I
1: know it wouldn't be, I, you know, I can't it wouldn't be viable.
0: One. It wouldn't be a viable it wouldn't be. plan. Yeah.
1: It wouldn't be i mean you can see like there's the old lava stone behind like, mm. the materials they it costs too much it's just not um you can't do it so people are just rewarded for building big and cheap and and that's what we're gonna i don't see how that's ever gonna change i think even as value systems change you still have such a builder driven situation that's based on dollars and yeah, yeah. You know, it's just not but that's i think crazy, everyone says they want small and charming everyone says that um, I see so many clients who are like, we don't need much space, and then and then like, okay, like, but we need this. That I'm like, you're up to a seven thousand square foot home. Like, you said you needed five bedrooms, you needed this, and it's like that's what this becomes. Yeah. Um, I think we've like so many of us have forgotten how to like live another way.
0: It's um, interesting. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right. We've forgotten how to live another way, and we have so much space that is unused in our homes but yeah. consistently unused you know like spaces yeah. that remember back in the day when people had a formal dining room you know and you only went in there on a Sunday or something you know mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that kind of yeah. thing instead of a kitchen table where everybody was yeah. around it and you ate in the kitchen um yeah. I remember yeah. being in Tuscany with my wife and we were staying at a villa up in the Tuscan Hills and We with this group of friends of hers that were all these girls and stuff and we that they only had a kitchen table in a kitchen and of course rooms were very separated so we went Mm -hmm. in through a little door into the kitchen it had a door out onto a patio and then the bench was down one side and you you know like it it wasn't like highly ergonomic or anything but we Mm -hmm. had the best time yeah. We had the best yeah. time. We were either out on the terrace with all the little stones and stuff on it looking over the mm. um over the trees and you know like or we were in that kitchen that's where we spent 90% of the time that we were in the home. Yeah. And yeah. again really simple. Really just Yeah. Mm. I I str- I struggle like you do with how do you how do you get back to making it se- making it mm-hmm. make sense and whilst yeah. the property market is an investor market that every um homeowner can take part in that's what happens
1: yeah 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 we we have you know I'm sure you noticed too like with your flips because they're special you get mm-hmm. you get a good considerable amount more per square foot than mm-hmm. those others but there's only so much because of appraisals and so even if people are offering you more that appraisal is going to cap you off I mean it's just
0: yeah, that's a really good point. And that's where the realtor in you comes back into this whole picture because, as you say, you yeah. go, they're, they're lining it up against everything else in the marketplace and saying the appraisal comes in at whatever. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Our, we have a little, we have like a tiny a beach house that's um in the Outer Banks and it's uh-huh. 800 square feet. And we have all of our kids in one like little 10 by 10 bedroom. And we have a bedroom, it's a two bedroom house. And we, we love living that way, because you clean it so quickly, you just you spend all your time outside because there's not really much room. And it is, it's a different way to live. that I think, I don't know, I do wish we could. I'm sure there's somewhere in between, it doesn't have to be 800 square feet. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> like you just
0: said before, though, we, you know, currently, you're living in something that say, um, did you say three and a half thousand above basement sort of or something like that? Yeah, yeah. three
1: thousand thirty five hundred, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, my wife and I live in a small house. It has four bedrooms, but uh, and yeah. all all what we would call a queen size or a king size bedroom, so they can fit a yeah. queen or a king size bed. Um, but we only have one sort of central living area with a little mm. nook off it that is our TV area. So we don't have TV in the main area, yeah. and then we have a large like outdoor decking area, um, and we kind of just live on that. We. We only yeah. have two kids. You've got five. So there's a bit of a difference there. But um, yeah. it's just simple. You can still yell out and nobody hears you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. Or they pretend they can't.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that's it. Maybe that's me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really interesting. That whole kind of like what's enough versus what we have to, what we feel we have to have and the simplicity of enough and like you say you go to the beach and it's a big release really that everybody's in together everybody makes things work and it becomes again I go back to right back to you know doing the girls here there's conversation and there's community in that um, Mm -hmm. where as a family you're all interacting Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to my interview with Lauren Leece this far. Now, Lauren and I kept talking for quite a bit and we recorded all of it, and there's so many wonderful gems throughout her entire conversation. So, I'm going to finish this one off here and then we're going to pick up with a second episode from the second part of our conversation. Thank you so much for listening. Please write in, ask us any questions. Tell us what you think of things. We love feedback. And if you've got questions for Lauren for the future, write in and we can ask them of it. So we will pick this up in episode two of Lauren Lease coming up soon. Take
2: care. Have a beautiful day. Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know fee pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, If it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking, say, three questions. And this is called takeaway selling. So this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you. It's almost like, imagine if you had some hot ch- chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them. You put them in front of them, someone and then they went to reach out and then you you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say, well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why, why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you, see if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.